welcome to the View from the Ninian. Today we're going to be previewing Cardiff City's upcoming home game with Leicester City. Joining me today is the one and only, the OG of View from the Ninian <laughs> podcasting, Mr Ben James. Good evening, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thanks, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you, good. Um, just winding down in work, so here we go. <laughs> so we're recording this on uh, Thursday night. We think we had, was it yesterday we got news that the game was going ahead? Or was that Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, they, they announced it yesterday. I think there was a lot of speculation on Monday, Tuesday, but yesterday we got, I think we got the official confirmation that the game was going ahead, which, um, I don't know, it surprised me. Did it surprise you? It did, yeah. I think it, from a Leicester point of view, obviously uh, really tragic what, what, what happened and, you know, it makes it um, more than more than a football match, doesn't it? It puts it all into, into context. Um, it's going to be hard to see the frame of mind that the Leicester players are in. Um, on one hand, yeah. I suppose it could be they'll put all all out there for him in, in his honour, but in, in another way, it might be too much for them too soon. Yeah, I think uh, it was interesting hearing what Claude Puel had to say today that the, the players are kind of numb and they're, they're, they're really suffering. And I think, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I think the news completely shocked everyone, didn't it? Because it was so so tragic what happened and I think you you don't realize how how much someone is the heart and soul of a football club and I think that's what we've seen with Leicester that they you know they've lost someone who is truly the center of their club and I think it's just I, I you know I have no idea how you how anyone could kind of react to news like that let alone play a football game in the in the aftermath and while while everything's still going on because obviously they're planning his funeral and everything else I, I I'm kind of in admiration of the way the club are dealing with things definitely you know, we've seen um, on a slightly different scale, I'm not sure it was last year or the year before, the Dortmund bus attack and, and the effect that that had on players going into the game. And that I think we forget that these people, these footballers are people and, and things like this affect them as well. And they, you know, have ocean at the end of the day, a football match is probably the last thing they want to be doing in circumstances like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you, in, in the immediate aftermath, you saw the kind of, tributes from Kasper Schmeichel which was very emotive and then you saw all the, the kind of players like James Madison who obviously only signed him in the summer but he had his photo taken with him on the pitch and it's clear that the, the chairman was heavily involved in everything they did and he knew mm -hmm. the players very personally and I think that's what this is about really isn't it I think there's you know there's there's almost like an existential tragedy that can that can go on but this is so close to everyone at the club and he was such a big part of their day-to-day -day work that it actually you know it, it affects you in a completely different way and I think the I, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't react in the same way as these players do, and I think it, it shows that how they're they're human edge really. Uh, so obviously the game is is going ahead, but before we look forward to that, I just want to have a quick word about the the Liverpool game um, last weekend and what your thoughts on the game were. Yeah, I think you know we were we were onto a bit of no hoper really. I think no one expected us to go to Liverpool and and win and and do well, but I think we we gave a good account of ourselves. I don't think we. We played the game in the right way by letting them kind of um, have the ball and, and we didn't kind of try and, and, and play them at their own game. But I think we, we got a goal in, what was it, 75, 80 minutes when Patson popped up with a goal and I think that gave us a bit of hope. But then I think it was just, we, we fell away at the end. And I think, you know, they're the kind of games that we can't put too much hope on in a sense that, you know, if we, if we lose those games, then that's to be expected. But I think it was just uh, a bit disappointing at the end to, to capitulate to four goals. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on, on this. I had a good conversation with, with my dad this week and a bit of a, not disagreements, but I was saying to him about Warnock's tactics in, mm -hmm. in these games against the big teams and I touched on it this week in the View from the Union analysis. 
and he seems to change the system for these big teams and play more of a four-two-three-one. Yeah, and putting Bobby Reed in that number ten rather than having a true sort of anchor man defensive midfielder. Mm-hmm. To, to me, I, whilst I know we've probably got no hope in those games, having that sort of three man deeper midfield certainly makes us harder to beat. I th- I think so, and I think you know against against Fulham against Arsenal, we've put in good performances by playing that way, and I think some of our strengths are we have got good footballers in our squad. If you look at Victor Camarasa, he is a very good player when he's got the ball. He's a very good player when he's running at people with the ball. And I think to some extent playing a system like we did on on Saturday takes an edge off his game. It takes him out of the game a little bit. And I think we should just play what I think, you know, there's, I I understand what Warnock's doing and I understand it's a bit of a damage limitation thing, especially because we didn't have Harry Arter. But I think we need to, we play well in that one system and I think against Fulham, we showed that we can play good football, we can knock it around and, and you know score goals. And I think we should try and stick to that as best we can. You mentioned quickly there about Victor Camarasa. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're a big fan. We're all a big fan of his yeah. a, a view from the, the Spanish Yeah. But, I mean, what a sign he's been. What, what a different sort of landscape our centre of midfield could have been if we didn't get him and Harriata through on deadline day. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, who would you play instead of Camarasa or Arta now? It's, you know, I think yeah. Gunnarsson was unfortunate. He missed the, se- you know, the start of the season. I think Joe Rawls, you know, he, they, were, they were both could have been shoo-ins if we didn't have them. But then where would our depth be? And I think to have two players like Arta, but more so like Camarasa, who can get on the ball. Like, I, I think Camarasa, I've seen him in so many situations this year where he's had a player almost directly in front of him, one behind him, yet he still manages to get out of that situation and yeah. play the pass or, or get the ball away. And I think... You know, it's 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 not unfair to say that he is a cut above everyone else in the squad. And I think, you know, if if bigger clubs are interested in the, a really good ball playing midfielder, I don't see why they shouldn't be looking at Camarasa. Definitely. Um, so looking forward to the Leicester game. Um, obviously, two weekends ago we got our first win of the season against Fulham. Mm-hmm. I think we all kind of realised that, although that kick started our season again a bit, last weekend was a bit of a a write-off sort of straight away but again against Leicester this is a good chance of three points um is it a must win um it's it's one it's it's, I think we've got a run of games now that are all to some extent a must win you know we've got Leicester coming up then we've got Brighton and then I think we've got Everton away and then Southampton at home with Wolves uh, in the middle as well and I think the, the form that Wolves are in they're struggling, you know, Southampton are struggling. I think Brighton, Leicester are teams that we should be hoping to beat. And I think, you know, if we play like we did against Fulham, if we play in the same way, I think there's no reason why we can't win. And I think these games are, you know, I just think we're, we're in a position where the next five or six games are all must wins. I guess it's a case as well of, of in the Premier League, every game is, is a must yeah. win to an extent, isn't it? And, and the yeah. old cliche of you've got to beat the team or teams around you and, and I think although Leicester are probably more of a mid-table side, they still apply to that in that we need to try and pick three points up against them. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, if you look at Leicester's, you know, they, they've been, they're not in a good run of form. They've lost a couple of games. Oh, they drew against West Ham and lost against Everton before that. I think they, they do blow a little bit hot and cold. And I think, you know, we have to look at Leicester as a team that are on the, the cusp of the teams we should be beating. If they're sort of eight teams ahead of us, they're going to be in that eight teams who we should be looking to beat. Yeah. If Cardiff are to win win the game, where do you think the match will be won and lost? I mean, it's, it's 
for us, it's always hard to look beyond Josh Murphy and really at the moment Callum Patterson because I think they're, they're so integral to the way we play. I think Josh Murphy is... I, I've never, I've not seen a winger like him in a few years that is just so explosive on the ball and he mm-hmm. scares the hell out of defenders. I think we've seen Callum Chambers go off with an injury this year, but I think it was more out of embarrassment, really. Yeah. I think we saw um, Javier Man- yeah, Manquillo, I was going to say. Man- yeah, Manquillo against uh, Newcastle and then Isaac Hayden came on and got sent off. That's two players in one game that he kind of took out the game. And I think everything he does, it's so attacking. And I think once, you, once he gets the run on a right back or a left back, depending on which side he's playing, he knows he's got them for the rest of the game. And I think he just we just need to get him the ball as best we can and support him as best we can because then he's the reason why that Patterson can come into play. And, you know, Patterson is... he's. He, I had a conversation with um, a friend of mine who writes for 442 and various other places earlier this week, and he said that he's a bafflingly brilliant footballer because <laughs> it's where do you play him? And yeah. wherever you play him, if you play him on the wing, a defence, as a midfielder, as a striker, anywhere, he somehow gets goals and plays really well. And I think he's he's the target man we've missed so far this season because as much as I don't want to believe we're a long ball team. We we do need a, a target man who brings others into play. And he's done that over the last couple of games. And he's scored against Fulham and Liverpool. Um, and I think he's just, he's going to be the reason we win it. Perfect. Um, there seems to be, I know we've spoken about this um, amongst the team, that Fulham yeah. game seems to have been a, a sort of turning point in the way, in the tone that I suppose the media reported about Cardiff City. Yeah. Before that win, it was very much, you know, we're a write-off, we're going to beat Derby's record for the lowest point side. Um, why do you think that has changed just with one win? And is that a more accurate reflection of our size? I think it's a couple of reasons, really. I think up until we got promoted last year, I don't think people really took us seriously. If you, if you, you know, I, I, I live and work in London and I, I was reading the Metro and I think there was even times where we were clear in second place and obviously Fulham were on the rampage, but they weren't in second place yet. And we weren't even considered by the Metro and Evening Standard as, as people who could be promoted. And I think what actually happened was there was a lot of people last year who didn't, a lot of journalists, a lot of writers in the national press who didn't actually pay attention to how we played and what we did. I think that just continued into the season because we didn't spend that much money. And while Fulham and Wolves spent a lot of money, they're familiar to more Premier League journalists. They got the kind of favourable coverage and we didn't. And I think it was, it's probably the Arsenal game where people first start to take notice. They sort of sat up and went, oh, okay, they're not, you know, they're not here to be made mugs of. And then I think mm-hmm. the Burnley game where we should have won, really. I think yeah. Burnley had two chances. And, and I think because that was on Sky, I had people text me going, hey, you're not that bad. And I think... You know, beating Fulham, but also getting the respect of people like Klopp. And I think Sarri had some nice words to say about us. And I think, um, you know, we we just turned people's heads a little bit. And I think, uh, you know, the Fulham game was a prime example. We were very good against Fulham. And I think mm-hmm. because we've flown under the radar, now people are sitting up to take notice. And I think, you know, we're well, out of the relegation zone. We've got a run of more winnable games now. Well, Fulham seems to be dropping like a stone. Huddersfield are really struggling. And I think we're just people are just giving us a bit more credit. Yeah, like I said, we're outside the relegation zone. I think the, the key thing to remember is we've played, is it five out of last year's top six in yeah, City, and I, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs and Arsenal? Yeah, and, and you know, I think when you look at the other teams we've played, Bournemouth are in a really good position this year and we played their first game of the season. I think, yeah. you know, Huddersfield, we should have beaten Huddersfield really and I think uh, there's, you know, there's, there's a couple of games there where we could have picked up points and we didn't. And I think now now we've reached a point in the season where we can really go on a bit of a run and, and try and pick up a couple of wins. I think things are really starting to turn for us. 
Okay, I think, like I said, Huddersfield, we now I think we would beat them. I think it was the Huddersfield so. and the Newcastle game. It was a case of Newcastle still adjusting and, and a bit nervous and unsure about our best formation, our strengths and stuff like that. But we seem to have got back to playing how we did last year to an extent. I just don't think we've been as physical as we were last year. No, and I think I think that's one of the things that I'm a little bit annoyed about is that we're not seem to be as cute as other teams. I think if you look at, um, I think when you know Joe Rolls on against Tottenham was a prime example. He should have just pulled him down instead of kicking him, and that was a bit of naivety. And I think there's other games where, you know, I think there's moments where their players are kind of getting away with the odd professional foul by pulling us away from the ball or, or yeah. you know put, putting the tackle over the ball, and we're not doing quite the same things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we next need to kind of bulk up. I think you know as a as a footballing side and the way we're playing, I think it's fine for now. The Fulham game as as our base point should be how we play for the rest of the season. But I just think we need to become a bit more savvy to the way the Premier League refs work because I think we're missing out a little bit by not being the the you know the Warnock side we should be because he should, he's known for that cynical playing really yeah. we need to play up to that a little bit yeah I think Gunnison's return against Fulham definitely made made a sort of change back in that direction in the... yeah he just he gives us a screen doesn't he he yeah. plays like someone else does in the sense that he just mops up he's a bit like you know he's a he's a bit like a sweeper in front of the defense rather than behind the defense he kind of yeah. tries to mop up before it gets through and i think that's really important because then that frees up Camarasa, it frees up the midfield to then push forward yeah uh so we've obviously looked at the leicester game and i'm speaking in a bit to uh nathan who's a leicester fan to get their perspective ahead of the game but before i let you go ben what's your score prediction i think i think we're going to win one nil i think it's you know it's going to be a a difficult occasion for both sides i don't think the football's going to then, you know, it's not going to be conducive to a good footballing game. And I think, mm-hmm. I think, as much as I would, you know, in, in this situation, I would happily give the three points to Leicester because it's it's just not a nice situation. But I just think we, I think we're just going to get a win, and it's going to be a, a really crappy ninety minutes of football. Yeah, perfect. Well, cheers, Ben. Cheers, mate. To get the Leicester City view ahead of Saturday's game, I spoke to journalist and Leicester City fan. Nathan Louie. Hello and welcome to the preview from the opposition brought to you by View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and today we're joined by Nathan Louie, a journalist and Leicester City fan. Hi Nathan. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's been a long week but I'm looking forward to the game this weekend. It's obviously been, well, one of the hardest weeks ever um, as a Leicester yeah, fan. Yeah, of course. I mean, to, to start that, Nathan, talk us a bit about, obviously there's been the, the tragic incident last week where five people lost their lives after the West Ham game, um, including obviously the, the owner of Leicester City. What, what's it been like as a fan of the club and, and what did he mean to, to the football club and also to the community? Yeah, so I was at the um, West Ham game and obviously it was a strange game and we got this last minute equaliser and it just felt like it was a bit of a relief. And I was driving, so I went with my dad, but I went to a friend's house for a Halloween party. Mm-hmm. And I was about five minutes away from this home when my mum gave me a call and she was like, where are you? And I said, well, I'm just driving. She was like, why? And I was like, why? And she was like, have you heard there's been a crash? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, the helicopter's crashed. And then straight away I was like, what? Because they get the helicopter every every other game and yeah. it's like I couldn't understand what was happening and then um I was trying to look on the internet and see what was happening and the internet wasn't working and I was just fretting 
and then I saw a video by a journo and um, I could just see the the helicopter in flames and um, it was just I just I just started crying because I just feared the worst. I thought that the sun top was on the on the um, helicopter as well because okay. I was under the both the owners were at the game even though they weren't in their normal seats. Um, and I thought I just didn't know what what it meant for the club. Obviously, it was just really sad. Um, and then we got the devastating news twenty four hours later that Vishai had died. And I think you can see from the support from the club, he wasn't just any normal football owner. He was mm-hmm. he was Mister Leicester. Like he gave us so much. He turned us around. And it's just ridiculous to think that he's no longer with us. Um, yeah, and am I right yeah. in saying that obviously he he transforms things on on the pitch, and obviously the famous um, Premier League win that that will be you know his legacy forever. But it was so much more than that to the club and the community. Is that right? You know, all his charitable stuff, even things to that used to give everyone a pint on his birthday and, and, and little things like that. Yeah, like he would um, give free scarves out away games, um, free donuts, free beer free water if you weren't drinking um he donated to the local hospitals he would meet fans at the shop he would always say hello if a fan came up to him he was just he was never he never he never publicized this it was always someone else who publicized it okay. and that's how we about it and he just would be completely happy with the fact that no one knew except him and that was just the type of guy that he was um and it just makes it even more unfair that this was Mm. his that this has to happen to him and obviously the four other people on the helicopter as well yeah of course and you know those things things that we talked about was um you know so often i think that foreign investors and foreign owners of english and british clubs get a bad rep as you know seeking money and and profits and stuff like that but but he was so much more than that and he actually cared about the community, the club, the players. And you can see that from the reaction from the fans and, and the players and in the community. Yeah, completely. Um, obviously, he spent a lot of money. He cleared our... I mean, they say he cleared our debt. I don't know exactly how he did that and what he did. Um, but he completely backed us in the transfer market. But it was more than just finances. It was his relationship with the players, his relationship with... Um, with the the fans, even the managers that have gone, like um, obviously we had Nigel Pearson as the manager for a long time, and he he left um, under circumstances, personal circumstances, but he's come back. So he just clearly has this link that he can hold between people, even if things change for the for the worst. Um, and that just just typifies that type of guy he is. Yeah. Um, are you surprised, given the the circumstances and the effect that it would have on the fans and the players, that the game is going ahead? I was I was shocked that we were playing this weekend. Um, I was completely expecting us to have another couple of weeks off because I think in tradition in Thailand they mourn for like a week or so, and I just thought we wouldn't be playing this weekend. I think they're planning on going to Thailand for a funeral mm. and they might be there for a week. And like, that means that our game next weekend will have no preparation for um, either. Um, obviously the Southampton game I knew would be postponed, but 
I'm really surprised, but then it kind of it's a, it's a testament to our players that they've got the mental strength to to want to play. And um, even though the result shouldn't be important, um, I do fear that if we do lose, I don't know what it will do for the um, mentality for the players. But it's just it's just about remembering Vishay and just continuing his legacy, really. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be. Um an emotional but, but special atmosphere on Saturday. I know that Leicester fans have got lots of tributes planned to him and um, I know that lots of Cardiff fans have got um, banners and things planned in tribute to him and, and to Leicester City Football Club as well. Um, looking looking on the pitch and um, forward to Saturday in the season so far, Leicester have had mixed results, I think it's fair to say. Um, and you're without a win in three, how do you think the season's gone on the pitch so far? Um, do you know what we've in some games we perform really well like um, Arsenal last Monday the first half was the best we played all season and desperately unlucky to come in level and then second half we class showed um, before this tragic event happened it was not 50-50 but it was murmurings of Claude leaving um, which we're not really pushing on as much as we were hoping we would. We've lost, I think, six games now this season, six and four. So um, it's been really inconsistent. Um, some games we haven't performed, some games we've been really good and not got what we deserved. Um, in normal circumstances, I would expect us to get the result at Cardiff. We've done OK. We've we've done OK against the, the teams towards the bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable at Newcastle. We beat. I mean, the teams we beat in Newcastle, Southampton, Huddersfield, and I can't remember the fourth one. But um, I don't know. It's been it's been a frustrating season, um, and it's we we want to be pushing for Europa League, and I don't think we're going to get that now. So especially now in the circumstances that we're in, mm. um, and uh, I don't know. It's it's this weekend's the results not important. I guess it's just seeing it through and just trying to react and just see how we go really I guess yeah yeah I think everything you've mentioned about you know for the players especially it's going to be so tough tough mentally I know Claude Puel has come out and said already that the the points and the result doesn't really matter right now Mm. um lesser traditionally have have done quite well against promoted sides I think you won six of of the last eight games do you think these are the type of games that, that Leicester should be, in normal circumstances, comfortably winning uh, if they want to be pushing for you know Europa League or, or the top half of the league? Yeah, of course. Like, I don't want to... Obviously, you're a Cardiff fan. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect... Get, we're used to people uh, talking Cardiff. Um, but, yeah, no, if we want to be pushing for... I mean, we've won the Premier League. I know some say might be fluke, we might have fluked it, but... We should be pushing for um, Europa League because we've got the squad to do it. Um, just, I think we're still getting used to the style um, of passing rather than just um, counter-attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've if we want to finish top eight, top seven, then we've got to be winning these kind of games. Um, and I would expect us to if we if this hadn't happened, even though we've struggled in the last few games. West Ham. West Ham we deserve to beat them in yeah, we um we were on we started really well, should have got an early goal, let them back into it. The red cards obviously 
I knew as soon as they got a man sent off, I knew we weren't going to win. It just had that vibe. Mm. But we actually should have won. We had enough chances to win it in the end. Um, but, you yeah, know, we should be winning these games. Um, but then Cardiff have been okay in the last couple of matches, actually scoring some goals. So <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think Cardiff will be up for it. We'll be up for it. But whether we will have the concentration to see the whole game through, um, I'm, I doubt. So... Yeah. I think it might be, I don't see, I don't really see you outscoring us in a game, um, but I, I, I can't see, I can still see you winning, but I feel like if it's, a, if it's a, who scores the most, I don't think, I think we would win that. Um, I think we could fall on the wrong side of a 1-0 or a 2-1. Yeah, I mean, I was literally just about to say, I'll, I'll let you go, but I want to get your score prediction first, but you tick that one off straight away. Um, well, thank you, first of all, Nathan, for, for joining us. Um, yeah. And, you know, on behalf of everyone at sort of Carlos City and all the fans, like, thoughts with everyone and at Leicester and, and you know, um, hope that obviously Saturday will be a fitting tribute from both sets of fans for for your owner and everyone that, that passed away in that tragic incident. Yeah, no, I've seen, I've seen um, what some of your fans are planning and it's, it's really special. Um, obviously, I work over in Watford and they're, they're planning a banner to bring to their game in early December. Um, the Leicester-Burnley game is just going to be unbelievably um, emotional. So it's great to see um, the reaction from rival fans. And like, yeah, I just hope that this weekend we can just put on a show that kind of celebrates Vishai's legacy and um, just, just, yeah, just, I don't know, just makes it, just do it for him really, I guess. Well, thanks for joining us, Ethan. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the preview from the Ninian. To find more content like this, you can visit viewfromtheninian.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and now on YouTube. So go and check us out. Come on, city.